This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today uh, joining me on the Axon Bulletin is young Declan McConville. Welcome back, Dick. Always a pleasure to see you, mate. Um, looks like you're already getting into the spirit for tonight's game. What's that? Your sport and talk us through the ensemble. Yeah, it's uh, one of the new training uh, tops for, for this season. Quite a kind of take and love state 86, I think, with the club. Taylor's a bit better than the away top last year. I was a bit of a let down that. But um, yeah, the mint green stuff this year is quite nice. I used my voucher to get this. So uh, quite nice getting me in the mood for tonight, which I'm really looking forward to. So hopes are back in action. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it does. I do like that shade of green. Uh, JP Mason, our regular Thursday contributor, will be with us um, in about five minutes. But uh, in the meantime, there is always plenty to discuss. Declan, you've not been on the show since last week and loads has happened since then. But yesterday I was looking back to, and, and it's hard to do that, especially now that we're in a good place, you know, we're positive, we're looking ahead to tonight. Um, but I was also looking back to where we were last season, you know, going into the first Rangers game. And I think sometimes it's good to reflect on where we actually were 
this time last year going into the, the Rangers game at the weekend. Uh, so we'll be doing that today. We'll also be talking about tonight's match. Ange has come out quite bullishly said, you know, basically we're going to be playing our game. We're going to go out there uh, to build on the lead. Uh, we're not going to try and protect that lead. Now that that's fair and well because, you know, on the one hand, you love that cavalier approach, Declan, especially from, you know, the Celtic perspective. But on the other hand, you think, well, a wee bit of caution in games like this. We've been naive in the past in European football, haven't we? We were naive under Rodgers, and I'm not saying we're up against the same level of, of opposition tonight um, that we were when Rodgers' teams took a, a pace in um, against the likes of PSG, etc. But, I mean, what do you take of the, the, those comments from Ange Postacoglu? I think he's, his philosophy's obviously shown through so far You know, in the past few games, how many goals have scored? Six against Dundee, six against St Mern. Um, so he likes to play attacking football. Likes to go forward. You know, people say that attack at times can be the best form of defence. Um, Celtic defence at this point in time is not by any means a finished article. Obviously, Juranovic has just came in, but probably Tony Ralston won't be dropped unless he's an absolute catastrophic stinker one week. Uh, you know, but we still go if you look at the defence. A young boy, Stephen Welsh, who hasn't had a great amount of experience yet, but he's still doing a job and many people are still out in Greg Taylor. So Celtic defence at this point in time, Paul, yeah, it's kept clean sheets the past few games. It's got a, a lot better goalkeeper uh, between the sticks now and Joe Hart, but I think we'd all worry that if we did sit, sit back and just soak up the pressure, there would be gaps. There was gaps last week and we probably get that wee bit of luck that at times I think you need in European football, but um, it's... It's probably a positive that I'm just saying that because I would rather that we go forward because we can certainly score goals. I've got every um, faith in Abada and Kyogo and if, if Edward comes in or Forrest tonight, that they'll, they'll score goals. So again, goals are coming from midfield. So yeah, I, I would rather we go forward tonight than when we sit back and soak up the pressure because at times that, that's what we've done um, under Rodgers. We're obviously playing teams like Bayern Munich and trying to play a game and going forward. You can't do that. You need to have that you know, kind of mix between attack and the counter, but sitting back and soaking up a bit of pressure and retaining the ball. But against a side like Alkmaar, you know, they've certainly got a mistake in them, I would say, like ourselves. So I would certainly be quite happy just for Ange Ball to, to proceed tonight. I think you're right. I mean, 90 minutes of that defence being under the cosh uh, would be a tough 90 minutes to watch, Declan. Um, talk me through your match day, by the way, because I remember, you know, moving into this pandemic, Colin Watt gave us an insight into how he believed uh, watching football would look. He wasn't a million miles off. As you say, we're back in, uh, we're back in the stadium, but we're not at the game tonight, obviously. How will you be uh, watching tonight as a fan? Um, I'll be in a south side boozer with a couple of my pals um, and a few Guinness will probably be had but yeah it's um, it's one of the things I really miss is getting away in a European trip so last one was just before the lockdown in, in Copenhagen it was a good trip as well um, really nice city and stuff and decent enough result over there and we thought we would take them back at Celtic Park but not to be unusual Celtic fashion um, but yeah I'll be watching it on the TV tonight and Again, it's going to be a bit rubbish not being able to go to uh, Ibrox on Sunday, a game I always look forward to in the corner. That uh, The last time I was at the win 2 0 also in, in that game. Um, so that, that'll be a disappointment, but it'll certainly be rolling on the hoops from uh, the pub and at home on Sunday. Yes, we'll talk all about the game 
on Sunday. Obviously, we'll focus on tonight's game first and foremost, Declan. And when JP comes in, he can give us his take on it as well. But let's, let's look back uh, for the moment. Um, and I, actually, when I was looking at the, the run of fixtures leading up to the first Rangers game last season, um, as we went into that game, it was obviously a wee bit later on in the season. It was the 17th of October. And we had played nine league games at that stage. Uh, we had won eight. Obviously, there was that draw against Kilmarnock at Rugby Park. Mm. Scored 25 for the, the loss of five. Uh, so people might be looking at that and going, what were you getting your knickers in a twist about? Well, that only tells half the story, really, doesn't it? I mean, we weren't playing the kind of free-flowing football that were, were being um, served up at this moment in time, Declan. We'd had the ball and goalie incident. We'd had the fact that uh, Lee Griffiths had been left at home when we went to France pre-season, so we knew that was another issue. Uh, but also, we'd been knocked out of the Champions League um, against Ferenc Varos at home in a one-off game. Uh, and after that game, I think there were huge concerns around this new £5 million goalkeeper we'd brought in, in, in Barkas. Now, we went into the, the game against Rangers at home and we failed to have a shot on target. It, it seems unthinkable now, doesn't it? Uh, we lost the game 2 nothing. And, you know, the following game, I, I remember the, the 2 nothing game uh, because afterwards was the first time Russell Boyce came into the State of Mind studio um, to be on the Axon Bulletin. And he joined myself and Tony from Four Tims in a Pod. And I remember after that Rangers game speaking to Tony and Tony was basically of the view, Neil Lennon has to go right now. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, that, that's a wee bit premature. But I know a lot of people shared his view at that point. It took me until the following game against Aberdeen at Pataudry at halftime um, to come to the realisation there was something wrong at Celtic. And he did have to go and we did have to make that change. And it was at halftime that I said that. Now, afterwards, after that, we know the, the season that ensued. But when we go back to that, you know, that lead up to the game against Rangers last season and you compare it to where we are now, Declan, and all the, the feel-good factor and the positivity that's been instilled in us has happened in such a short space of time under Ange Postacoglu. Um, I mean, how astonishing is that turnaround? Yeah, um, I think if you look at the end of season 1920 in March and then the relentlessness in that Celtic team just seemed to just slowly pass away week after week and yeah we were getting three points but I don't think a lot of people were happy with the standard of football and um, if you look at the, the Ferenc Varos game in isolation not playing a striker up front the post-match comments when they were leaning after the match raised a lot of eyebrows for Celtic fans and a lot of concerns about what was actually happening within the building um, obviously that Rangers game we missed players out due to COVID hopefully going into this game we won't have that that issue um, but the turnaround from you know 2-12 two, two wins in 12 last season the way the season spiraled, spiraled out that 4-1 gubbin in the Scottish Cup and I'm sorry the league was that the Scottish Cup of the league? That was in the Cup Aye. No, they, beat, they beat us 2-0 in the cup and 4-1 in the last league game, game. Yeah. 4-1 yeah. in the last league game um, and it just uh, uh, you, you weren't looking forward to watching Celtic at all last season I think that the day that the How news broke everybody again get their knickers in a twist and thought here we go again and <laughs> even the early signs are you know you could see what Andrew's trying to do but we just kind of thought have we got the person to do this I was at the game against West Ham 
and we get absolutely destroyed. Yeah, it's a good standard opposition, but we get torn apart. And but it just seems to have clicked, and it's clicked when we didn't think that it would click because every you know a lot of journalists had ones that we've even had in the show have said Ange it takes time for his teams to work. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know, and, and the breath of fresh air of. Kyogo and other players coming in at the side. Obviously, we've got James McCarthy, who's hardly featured for us, still to come into the team. We've got Juranovic still to come into the team. We've got Julien still to return from injury. Things just look so much better, and the turnaround's been incredible. And it's complete testament to Ange Postecoglou because I just don't think we would have been in this place had he probably not come in the door. And we would have a, a situation where we're likely saying, oh, give Eddie Howe time. <laughs> because I just don't think I just don't think Paul he would have been able I don't think his recruitment would have been as good as Ange Postecoglou uh, the calibre of player he would have seen would have been very very different and uh, I just think that Ange seems to get Celtic and everybody has bought into it and I don't know if how would have it would have brought a feel good factor back just by the name but had the results not went in his favour because if you look at you know Midland everybody would say you know BBC journalists for calling it a catastrophe and whatnot, but Celtic fans seem to have just been able to quickly move on for it because they've seen the bigger picture here that mm. that squad that he had was bare bones he couldn't implement and what I said after that game was if we played Midgieland we'd probably beat them and a few weeks down the line at this point in time I would say we could probably beat Midgieland now so the difference from even then till now is incredible and that is complete testament to the manager Absolutely, and there is a chance, of course, uh, if we do go through and progress this evening, Declan, that we may face Michelin. That is a possibility, and we've seen that in the past. I think Cluj was a good example where once the team had found its flow and its rhythm a wee bit, you realise we are better than the opposition. That is a frustration, and I don't want to bring the, the good feeling, the positivity down. It's a frustration with Celtic, you know, from the very, very top that we, we do go into these qualifiers unprepared. But as you say, I think uh, Celtic fans this season were, were very good at, at moving on from that. And because of the, the way the fixtures work and you're right into the, uh, the Europa League qualifiers, you've got no other option than to get over it and get over it fairly quickly. The fact we're getting back into grounds, I think, probably helped that a wee bit. Um, but it's interesting that you mentioned the West Ham game because I remember, obviously, we cover every game on here and we'll be covering the game this evening, half an hour before kickoff, half time, half an hour after the game. Um, I still don't know, Declan, how we're going to be covering these games because there's absolutely no way I'm going to be in the studio for every single game and not actually go to the games myself. I can't, can't give up every single game. Uh, but we will find a way. We will find a way. We're hopefully going to have something in place where we can maybe do it elsewhere or we can get some person in the studio and a few of us at the at the park. We don't know yet, but we'll cover every game. And I remember covering that West Ham game and I was extremely concerned after that mm. because we had no choice really than to buy into Ange Postecoglou. We had no choice. We, we knew the situation was such that we'd gone so far down the line with Eddie Howe that you know, this, this was what we had to deal with and it was Ange Postecoglou and we were frantic frantically trying to find out uh, as much as we possibly could about the individual. That wasn't a lack of respect. It's just that, you know, I don't think, you know, up until this season, uh, most of us were keeping an eye on the J-League or the A-League, Declan, you know, and, and that's just the way it is because you're so focused on Scottish football. You might be interested in some of the European leagues. You keep an eye on the teams that you might be facing in Europe, etc. but you're focused on the game in hand. So we didn't know a great deal about him. Uh, but one thing I would say, 
Declan, and this again is one of the reasons I'm going back to last season. People might be thinking, why are you digging that up again? I remember the conversations that were going along the lines of, well, you know, Neil Lennon's just one man. How much can he do to turn this situation around? And I'm going to bring JP into this conversation in just a second because I think it's astonishing how much of a change, not just with the playing staff, but how much of a change in terms of the mood of the, the support. And it seems as though all the way through the club and a massive part of that. And I know we've got obviously a new CEO in Dominic Mackay and he'll be working behind the scenes to change the culture. But the huge uh, cultural change that seems to have developed since Ange Postacoglu's come in has been astonishing. I'm going to bring JP in as well because he is joining us in his usual position in front of that uh, famous bookcase. I uh, would like to have a rifle through some of the CDs, mate. Um, and, you know, we were just talking actually there JP, about last season. We weren't labouring the fact as such, but as soon as I see that jersey, that, that reminds me of one fixture and of one man um, in in particular, and that's Olivier and Cham now departed. But we were just talking, JP, about that. You know, we had so many discussions last last season and people were still standing up for Neil Lennon and saying, you know, his hands are tied. You know, he can't take all the responsibility. The backroom team need to take some of that responsibility. The players have to. The board has to. One man comes in, Ange Postecoglou, and, you know, there seems to have been a wave of positivity, optimism, and a cultural change within the whole club. And that's spread into the, the fan base as well, JP. Do you, do you think it's fair to say that? Absolutely. I mean, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking about this on the way down in the train. I've just come back from Tyree. Um, what a place. So, is this you just coming back? Straight into the bulletin. Just come in the door, right? <laughs> Brilliant. Mate, um, you could have done it. You could have done it from that beach. <laughs> well, I mean, I could have. I don't think the signal would have been that good, though. Um, but yeah, no, I was just thinking about this in the way down the chain. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. 
Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, Lennon said that there needed to be a culture change at the club and, you know, it was, it was probably bigger than him. And it has happened and it has it has spread throughout the fan base. And I think I said yesterday, I, I listened to Ange Postecoglou's interview about... Um, about a number of things in the last few days and just to hear the way that he speaks I mean it's just it's so refreshing to have somebody that's that just just genuinely speaks sense and you know isn't coming out with grandiose statements I listened to the BBC Sports Sound thing where they were talking about the the, the Furuhashi racism and they said that they'd asked Ange Postacoglu to come on for an interview on the show and it, it you know had been told he was unavailable I'm sure he was probably asked to go on that and he just went, no, nah, I've said what I'm going to say. It's, I've, I've condemned it. I'm not going to, we're not going to drag this out and labour it. And that's exactly what he said in the interview the other day. He just said, look, everyone, any, any decent human being knows this is wrong. Uh-huh. We, we, say, we call it out for it being wrong and we move on. We don't, you know, sort of, you know, squeeze it dry or anything like that. It's, it's not about that. It's just about looking after the individual, which he's doing, which the club are doing. And the supporters are going to do as well, and 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 not sort of uh, stretching this out. And yeah, I think I think even just on that one note alone, he's struck a chord. Um, certainly with me, and I'm sure with thousands of other people as well. I can see that just in the microcosm of of the, the sort of Twitter sphere that I uh, swim in. So to speak. Swim is is the word because there's a lot of sharks in that Twitter <laughs> yeah, sphere. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you, JP, over the last few days and beyond. But Declan, I am astonished with the the impact he's made, and not just on the park. I mean, with regards to that, we were told by Dan Orowitz from the Japan Times in a previous episode that it takes him a while to implement his systems. Uh, you can see the results a lot of the time with, with his previous clubs in season two. He's managed to do it in the space of months. You know, we're, we're looking forward to this week ahead. Now, I'm not getting, you know, too overzealous about things. I'm not getting too overconfident. Um, last season's taught me, if I, if I needed teaching, never ever to get overconfident because that was, you know, that, that slapped us right down after a quadruple treble to come away with absolute nothing um, and the form of many, many top players to, to dip the way it did and for the fractions uh, to start appearing within the fan base and you know that disconnect between the club and the fans. So I'll never take it for granted. But there is a process, uh, not wanting to sound too corny, of healing, I guess, after such a catastro- uh, catastrophe of a season. Um, and the man that's coming to do it, um, again, you know, I don't think we knew a great deal about him. I love the way that he deals with the press. It, he doesn't waste words, does he? He just gets... And you see it even with the Celtic TV interviews. You know, if he's asked something, he'll take that down the road that he wants to take it. Um, he also delivers messages in in these um, conversations and in these interviews, uh, not only to the fans, but to the board, you know. And the message that he constantly delivers is that we need new players. I mentioned yesterday, and it just occurred to me as we were discussing it, you know, when Callum McGregor took off his armband, brilliant squad management, let's take McGregor off because of the games he's played in the last five or six seasons. Take him off when when we're we're coasting to a victory. Uh, Give him a a rest. And he gives the the armband on the say-so of Ange to Ryan Christie. And I suggested yesterday that perhaps that was a message to the board 
I want to keep this guy. This is how important Ryan Christie is. He is someone that I actually look upon as being a senior professional that I trust. He's up there in the top echelons of this team, you know, as a senior pro. Do you, would you put that past Ange to be sending a message to the board, Dick? No, I wouldn't. Um, I think, as you say, Paul, since he's came in, he's been very direct with people. Um, I, I like his love of football. You can tell that this is a, a guy that has a serious love for the game, that he's, you know, he's not just here in a, oh, let's go to Celtic and see how it works out. He's here to, you know, continue his career and build his own philosophy at the football club, which all the great managers at this current point in time do. So I really like that about him. But I, I think, touching on Ryan Christie, he certainly looks as if a player that, that Andrew would like to keep. Again, on that left-hand side, we're, we're rather short. I, I don't think Kyogo can be expected to play there all season on that left-hand side. He, he still... You know, makes a space, makes a movement, but uh, I think he's, he's deadly just as a, the number nine, if you will, up up top. So, um, yeah, I, I like Chris in that left hand side. I mean, the, the goals he created that day against Dundee were, were absolutely fantastic. So, and I think if we could tie him down in a, a deal, even if it's just for another two years or so, and give him that, that reassurance that, you know, if the, the move does come in, he can go, and um, he would certainly be a welcome addition. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't put it past um, Ange to be sending that message to the board that he wants to keep him and that's why he's giving him the captain's armband as if second in command to Callum as uh, mm. Christie. We'll be talking, JP, a wee bit more about Christie once we get to the the transfer window discussion. There's only five days left of the transfer window and there were some interesting comments by Ange yesterday all around that and uh, one of the dilemmas that they might face and the contingency plans that they've got in place for that. But just before you came in, JP, we were discussing uh, last season and where we were going into the first game against Rangers and um, you know we'd already been bounced at the Champions League similarly to this season uh, there had been a couple of, of real concerns in amongst the camp with the bowling goalie and, and Griffiths scenario interesting both of those guys are still at the club and mm. uh, you know Griffiths has had another situation this pre-season so although there are some parallels it's like night and day are you surprised JP at just how quickly Ange Postacoglu has turned things around since coming in I, I have to admit I am because I, I, I I didn't know where the squad and the team were going to be by at this point in the season, like going into the last week of August. Like you just didn't know who was still going to be here. If the people that were here were playing like they wanted to be here, do you know what I mean? Like people like Edward and, and Christy, we've, we've, we've had Neil Wenn and say on record now that Edward intimated to him that he wanted to leave the club. Um, I, I don't think you can say that Edward looks like a player that wants to leave the club. I mean, people have, you know, gone on, on about him not trying and, you know, his head's out the door and everything else. I, 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 I'd ask those people, Clockwork Orange style, to be sat in a room with their eyes pinned open and watch Edward's, uh, you know, highlights of this season and tell me that that's a guy that's not trying. You know, some things have come off, some things haven't come off. I don't, I don't think he's not trying. So from that point alone, to motivate the people even if they don't want to still be at Celtic, he's still getting a tune out of them. And he's and you look at as Declan said, Christie's performances in those uh, in the games that he's played so far competitively have certainly gone, you know, flew in the face of what we saw last season, where mm. you saw a guy that that definitely, you know, was was not happy. You know, I just don't think he was happy. You know, I, I think he'd started to think maybe of another move and it had, you know, 
it, it swamped into his mind. Maybe being in Scotland in a lockdown as well, he was thinking, oh, how good would it be to be somewhere else, sunnier, nicer in a lockdown rather than being in you know Glasgow? I think a lot of people would have felt like that. And that would have maybe impacted on his football. Maybe he wasn't playing for Neil Lennon. Who knows? But in regards to what you said, I, I would never have thought in a million years that we would be going into this game, you know, looking forward to it and bullish and not really caring about the fact that we don't have our fans there um, as we probably should have. Mm. You know, the thing as well, though, we're, talk, we're talking about the uh, the want-away players. We spoke about them quite a bit during the season. Uh, and in Cham... Uh, along with Ayer and perhaps Edward and Christie and, and possibly Frimpong were, were the want-away stars, as it were. And it's only after the event does the, the truth start filtering out. JP, like you say, it's been confirmed Edward had said he wanted away. Um, and Cham obviously wanted away, and that's why we've, we've made the costly decision to tear up his contract and talking about in champ because his jersey's over your shoulder. But on the flip side, right, we've got two guys who potentially still want away. Uh, they're certainly not signing new deals, Edward and Christie. Um, and last season, we kind of said that was a mistake to keep the guys that wanted to leave the club. We should have just let them go mm. and then concentrate not only on the, the players that we've already got, but the guys that are coming into the squad. They want to be here. They've just signed for us. And, you know, there is that argument, well, if there's players that want to go, we, we can't make that same mistake again. But I'm going to go back to the Ange Postecoglou effect. Even though the situation with Christie and Edward in terms of their own personal circumstances, Declan, is the same as it was last season, that key element in this situation at this moment in time, that turnaround in their attitude and their application and their dedication is Ange Postecoglou. And that's why we're getting the performances out of Ryan Christie. Edward, to a degree, JP, because I agree with you, mm. you know, there is a difference in his performances this season compared to last, I would suggest. And there's a few others that he's implemented that in who may not be want-away stars whose uh, performances have improved massively, uh, one being Callum McGregor. So I think that although the circumstances uh, of the situation might be the same, Declan, the fact that you've got that added element of Ange Postecoglou there means that I would quite happily run uh, between now and, and January, at least, with Edward and Ryan Christie, if that is the case. And I hope that is the case, because if they were to leave in the next five days, I think that gives us a bit of a headache. Postecoglou spoke about a contingency. What do you think that is, Declan? Do you think he's talking about last-minute loan deals? Because we've got a couple of guys that he's obviously got his eyes on, scales being one of them plus a striker. Um, and, and we think we know who the striker is, although we have been linked with Kevin Nisbet. So he's maybe got one or two in the pipeline. So these these are the interested parties at the moment, players of interest. Do you think the contingency is maybe utilising the loan market should a Christie or, or an Edward leave the building late late in the day? It possibly is in, in usual uh, Celtic fashion because, you know, how many times have we did it and waited and waited and waited? Um, last season, we knew that we needed a right back when Jeremy Frimpong departed the building Tony Ralston was left out in the dark and we went and got a guy in for a few months from Everton on loan um, even though we knew that we needed it so probably in usual Celtic fashion yes it's probably the contingency but what I would say on Christian Edward compared to last season as if it was a collective of four or five players the power they withhold and the, they, they hold in the dressing room is far larger than two guys Um 
And again, it's all down to man management, I think, in this situation of what the manager's saying to them. A word of that promise um, of a new era with Don McKay too is that, you know, play for your move here, which a lot of the guys weren't do last season, apart from Chris I was the only real guy I would say that, that played for his move and never really let us down. So it depends on what the conversation is happening between Ange Postacoglu and those two individuals, as well as what the club line on this is. If Don McKay has changed, because um, if Don McKay has changed Peter Lowell's response to the two individuals, we don't know what kind of conversations is taking place there, but the promises have been broken. And now that Peter Lowell's out the door, that as a kind of fresh start for a couple of them with the manager, it's also clear that the philosophy that Ange is playing as a collective and the team is there to see and players are buying into it which is different from last season. There didn't seem to be that clear philosophy of what we were doing and what we wanted to do. So it just depends on where Christie and Edward's heads are, what kind of conversations they've had with the manager and what kind of conversations they've had uh, with the CEO. But I would hope um, now from the performances that I've seen of both players that we would keep them because I think they could be really important players in terms of the squad and in terms of the first team uh, going forward for this season. What's your thoughts, JP? I mean, with regards to Edward and Christie, I mean, I, I guess that their thought process in, in terms of their future hasn't changed a great deal from last season. Um, so it could well be that if a, you know an offer which is sufficiently uh, large enough to the club um, comes in late in the day, they could be leaving. And we're not really looking, I don't think, uh, for a replacement for Christie right now, but I'm pretty sure with the, the vast scouting network that Celtic has, there will be a few players on a shortlist and you know a deal might be struck in terms of a loan deal. I, I know that we've criticised that in the past because it's short-termism. I mean, the John Joe Kenny deal is a, is a great example of that, isn't it? Here's a player who you're, you're basically giving game time to um, and it's benefiting the player, it's benefiting his parent club, and it clearly didn't benefit Celtic last season. We could have played Ralston. You know, Ralston could have played in Kennedy's games in charge, and, and it didn't happen. What would your thoughts be if we did bring in the, the two players that we're pursuing at the moment, um, but due to the situation with the, you know, the late departures, perhaps, we were to go out and bring in one or two on loan, would you be quite happy on this occasion under these circumstances for that to be the case? As long as they're of sufficient quality, you know, we don't want to, there's no point in bringing in, I mean, look at the quality of the loan players we brought in last season, you know, Laxalt was never really, you know, my kind of player in that position, you know, I, I said something at one point about him being too slight and, you know, just the kind of guy that just get, gets wee guide in games, you know, um, and, uh, and then Duffy, you know, Everybody knows the story with Shane Duffy, and you see him now. He's he's doing so well for Brighton, which I have to say I'm pleased to see. You know, I I, I don't think Shane Duffy uh, was was laughing on the way down the road to Brighton in his car. You know, I read an interview with him where you could tell he was gutted. You know, he was absolutely gutted to have come and been this kind of ridiculed figure at the club and not left with any silverware. And you know, it, it wasn't how it should have gone for. For Shane Duffy, so uh, loans are fine for me if, if if they are of the sufficient quality. But just Declan touched upon something there, and I think you guys talked about it either yesterday or the day before, just about how players playing in a good team and playing with other. I think Brian said about um, you know playing with other clever football players. 
you know, it's like when you play fives. If you're in a good team at fives and, you know, you, you, you immediately look around about you when you start the game and you're like, oh, this is going to be good today because oh, they, they know how I play, I know how they play. And, you know, you, you make moves for the ball and, and, you know, you anticipate passes, you, you go for runs, things like that. If I get a buzz out of that and if other people get a buzz out of that playing fives, imagine what it must be like playing in an 11-a-side game for Celtic in front of 60,000 people. And, 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 and that's, the, that's the scenario you find yourself in. So I, I don't know if that would change a player's mind. We could be sitting here next week and Christy and Edward are gone and we're talking about the... The you know thanks for the memories and all that, but who knows? The other thing with regards to Christie, the armband thing was a message to the board, but it was a message to Ryan Christie as well from the manager to say. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I believe in you and I've seen enough from you to know that I want you in my side. And Christy put it up on his Instagram. I know it's social media. I know it could be, you know, gossamer thin really at the end of the day in terms of what weight it carries. But, you know, he put it up and he was proud of being the captain of Celtic for, for that for that, that moment in time. Um, so, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen with them regarding transfers. Uh, I, I, would, I would like to see both of them stay. And, you know, maybe Christy could be in a situation like his pal Stuart Armstrong was. I'm almost certain Stuart Armstrong was in a similar situation to this and he signed a two-year extension. Yeah. Or a two, he signed a two-year deal, which then allowed us to get a fee of seven million or whatever it was for him. So I would not be averse to that happening. And then if next summer somebody came in for Christy, he's, he's a signed player, he, you know, we, we get a good transfer fee for him because, I mean, it is going to be, if he was to go now, it would be buttons, wouldn't it? It would be you know, nothing. A team yeah. get him for nothing in January. And it's worth the risk in terms of the Champions League money that's at stake this season. Yeah. If you look at the two oh. individuals and you combine their, their transfer um, tag, what they could probably give to us compared to the prize that we would get at the end of the season if we win the title's massive. And just and quickly, Paul, seeing the loans, if it's option to buy, I don't mind because if you look at Elanusi, he's went and scored a hat-trick yesterday. It's probably our only successful loan. So if <laughs> it's option to buy loans, I don't mind that. But if it's just the short-termism that you're talking about like John Joe Kenny and stuff nah don't want it don't want to touch it no I would agree with that 100% you mentioned five a size and playing with good players JP we know that there is only one player on this bulletin today who scored a hat trick at Celtic Park and it's not Declan or myself so <laughs> if there is ever a, an Axom versus um, another five a side tournament obviously you'll be, play, you'll be playing up front I'm, I'm uh, 100% not sure if I've got somebody between the sticks. Uh, Declan, could you guys at the alternative view get a five-a-side team together? This could actually oh, happen. This could I be a charity that. event. JP, I you've got that. contact with the 20-minute Tims guys. Is there only three of them, though? There is, but they've got like the history boys and there's like Gilly and all that that I'm sure would... Uh, Watch this space. 
Aye, aye. I'm thinking charity <laughs> event here, um, and then aye. and then you've got a few that you might want to kick. Anyway, <laughs> the, the rebuild, not not in the twenty minute terms. Uh-huh. Uh, the rebuild. Let's have a wee chat about that. And um, you know, there's only five days, as I say, but two of those days are match days, and uh, I know a lot of this is behind the scenes, but uh, time is running out uh, to strengthen. And Celtic obviously uh, seem to be pursuing, uh, and this was confirmed by the Shamrock Rovers manager Liam Scales is coming in. Um, and he can play centre-half or left-back. And, you know, I've said quite a bit on this podcast about Liam Scales, and obviously we do have, I say obviously, we do have uh, a lot of people tuning in from Ireland who have put me right on a few points on Scales. First and foremost, I suggested that it sounded like a Dermot Desmond signing. Uh, it's been pointed out that the, the recommendation for Scales has been uh, from Damien Duff. So that's where the recommendation has come from. I had my doubts that you could go from the Irish um, League uh, into the Celtic team. I don't mean the Irish League to the Scottish League. There are plenty of players who have made that transition. What I'm trying to say is could you make, because I see it as a step up to go straight into the Celtic side, and I'm looking at some of the people who have played in the Irish League previously and how it takes a while for them to adapt. And when you look at the defensive situation uh, that we're in at the moment, if you're going to bring a defender and throw them right in, they're going to have to hit the ground running. Uh, because that is um, probably the weakest area of the park at the moment. So Liam Scales look to, looks to be a, a done deal. I'm being told that at 500 grand, he's going to be an absolute snip. So I look forward to that, and I look forward to be proven wrong. I've not written him off, absolutely not. I'm just thinking, is he first team ready for Celtic? That's all I'm, a, that's all I'm concerned about. Um, other names, uh, Hibs are looking to tie Kevin Nisbet down to uh, a better contract, JP. Exactly what you've just said there about the Armstrong situation. Protect your asset, get them signed to a better deal until such times as the club gets the, the offer um, that they want for, for the player as well. Um, no update on Lee Griffiths. No update at the moment on Lee Griffiths, which um, is a wee bit disappointing because I would be hoping for uh, Lee Griffiths to move on. Can you see it happening in this transfer window, JP? Have we kind of painted ourselves into a corner by giving Lee Griffiths this this extra year? Yeah, we definitely have. Um, Obviously, they couldn't have foresaw the the, um, controversy that you know, arose after that, like what, days after he got the contract? I mean, if days, if not a, a week. I think, you know, the reaction at that West Ham game, I was there that day and there was only, what, was there, I was there even 18,500 18, 18, there. And uh, it, it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't pleasant. Him coming on right now uh, in front of 60,000 or even coming out to warm up. I don't know if that, I don't know if that's happened in in the last few games since since we got full capacity. I don't know if he's been in any squad for that to even happen and go out and warm up. But it wasn't pleasant that afternoon. It's not going to be pleasant again because you just have this weird kind of swell of some people applauding and some people booing, and then the booing you know going up against the applause, and you're just like, wait a minute, there's a game going on here. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a game going on. There's 11 players out there in it's Celtic. It's a side that, show. It's a side show, JP. That, that's what we're watching. I don't care about that. I would, I'm, not, I'm not going to boo. I'm not going to cheer. This guy's warming up. I'm watching the game. So mm-hmm. you don't want that. And, and I think for him as well, you know, it's, it's probably best that he goes somewhere 
maybe a wee bit far away <laughs> um, just to, to, you know, rejuvenate what, what, what's left of his career, you know, and, and it's not going to be at Celtic, let's face facts. There's no, there's no way. It's just, it's not going to happen. Does he become a journeyman? Declan, I've mentioned, uh, you know, Anthony Stokes' career path since leaving Celtic and particularly since leaving Hibs. Does does Lee Griffiths become that journeyman uh, player who has short-term deals wherever wherever he can get a contract? This is a guy who, who, who was in line for and was touted for and championed for a place at the Euros just in the summer. Well, I mean, you know, if you look at him compared to his other counterparts at Hibs a lot of them have fallen into that, that, that category and as well as that I think Celtic will be the biggest club that Lee Griffiths plays for now there's not going to be any moves to Wolves or anything like that you know that Wolves are in the same league at Celtic but in terms of the level of football he's not going to get a bigger move so yeah it wouldn't surprise me he's at that age where it could just you know spiral out and uh, yeah, his future's definitely not at Celtic Park anyway and I think for his sake and for the club's sake it's best just to mutually part ways Yes, uh, the question being where will he end up can't see him remaining in Scottish football Werder Bremen are out with the running for Georges Giacomakis it would seem that he's still on Celtic's radar but we shall uh, wait and see I can't see us bringing him in um, when we've got Edward at the club alongside Yeti and Griffiths uh, with Kyogo also able to play through the middle. I think that would only happen if uh, Eduard and or Griffiths leave the building. Um, apparently West Ham certainly don't want Eduard. That's come out over the last 48 hours. Um, and also when we're looking at the, the transfer business, the ins and, and the outs, uh, we have been informed by Ange Postacoglu that he might dip back into the Japanese market in January. Uh, Declan, I mean, we've had, I would say, maybe a mixed bag um, from our experiences of Japanese players. Uh, but when they're good, they are off the scale good. And if we can pick up another player anywhere near the kind of classic Hugo, then we'll, doing, we'll be doing well. Um, you've not had an opportunity, Declan, on Axom at least, to discuss the, the, the racism fallout uh, around Kyogo. Um the question I would ask you, because it's been obviously discussed in depth on the on the broadcast since it happened, do you feel that that will have a galvanising effect on Celtic going into Sunday's game? Possibly. Um, I know Ange Postacoglu said that you know his experiences since arriving in Scotland and at Celtic, he's enjoying life in a new country, he's enjoying being at Celtic, especially with the way of playing football at the moment. Everything has probably been 99% positively good and there's obviously been that abhorrent 1% um, that I'm no doubt that he'll have seen probably in social media but he, he's probably seen the love from the Celtic support which has been a good thing that he's you know we're really right behind him through this and it might galvanise some of the Celtic players to go and especially in a, a stadium that there's not going to be one Celtic fan in to really you know go there and, and put on a show and lay down a marker not just for the rest of the season but what we are as a football club and what we are as a collective team behind one player um, just to go back quickly in the J-League though, Paul, I think in, in recent years, if you look at when Gordon obviously brought Nakamura, I wouldn't really say that Gordon Stacking and, uh, and his new advisory role is any expert in Japanese football, whereas our, our manager at the moment obviously is and knows mm-hmm. the market and knows the league so well. If you look at his comments over Kyogo, he talks about, you know, he basically ran the league for years and he knew what he was getting when he brought him here. So we've got a guy that in that market 
you know, as long as the player would be able to come and settle like Kyogo has, it would probably tear the league up. So we've got an expert in that field and going into the J League. And uh, I, I just really hope that the wee man um, scores a goal on Sunday. Oh, it would be it would be fantastic, and it's bound to help him as well to have a, a fellow countryman in the team. I mean, mm. I think that that's bound to help uh, Kyogo. Uh, when we're looking ahead to tonight's game, before we we start talking about the Rangers game, JP Declan and I had a conversation before you joined us um, on your tour of Scotland. You've you've nipped into your your own place to have a wee chat with Axom, uh, and just made it pretty clear. He's going to be Cavalier tonight. He's going to play his own game. Um, and Declan and I were kind of saying we're more confident when we're going forward anyway, so that's maybe a good thing. A lot of the comments that are coming in here are, you know, let's get an early goal. If we do, would you feel home and dry at that that stage? Um, and would you continue to play that game, JP, or do you change your style if you get that early goal? I mean, I was at the, the game at Celtic Park and I know that we rode our luck a little bit. Um Certainly, you know the save. The save early on from Joe Hart. You know the big guy up front was was looked a bit of a handful. Um, mm. But we could have scored more as well. And and I'd, I'd, I'm not going over there with a two 0 lead, fearing for my life like I may have done in the past. I just I don't. I think the mentality is different about this team. I, 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 there's there's something there's something going on. Where it leads to and when it ends, I don't know. I'm not, you know, suggesting that we're going to be in Seville next year or anything like that. I mean, I heard you say the other day that the finals in Seville. Um, I've always wanted to go back. I've never been back since that day. I was only there for about seven or eight hours or something like that because uh, it was a it was a short a short and sweet visit. But um, I, yeah, I'm not saying that. But I just think there is something there's something about this team that. I can see us. I can see us scoring a goal tonight, and if we score a goal, they need four. I mean, and I don't think we're going to concede four. As much as as much as people keep labouring the point about our defence, we've got a good, I've got a half decent defensive record so far this season, and we've absolutely battered teams. Two back to back six 0 victories in the league haven't done that thanks to Matthew um, Hail Hail history. Matthew, by the way, who dragged up that it was two thousand year two thousand into two thousand and one. Under Martin O'Neill was the last time we won six 0 back to back at home, so it's twenty years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, with, like it's, it's, there's something different going on, and uh, it's, it's it makes me. I'm looking forward to the game tonight. I'm not I'm not going in with you know sort of you know behind the couch or anything like that. I'm I'm, I'm going in again. I'm not going in all like oh we're going to you know take three or four off them or anything like that. But I'm not going in thinking. This is oh, this is going to be a disaster, and you know, we're 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 up against it, you know, because you look at the firepower we've got, and I know we're missing Forest, but you know, Abada looks looks dynamite. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he scores tonight. You know, he's 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 got a decent scoring record so far, and I said when we signed him, he has to be a guy that contributes, and he's already contributed way more than I thought he would, you know, and we're only a month into his. Uh, uh, life as a Celtic player so let's see where he's at at the end of the season you know. Where are you watching the game JP? Uh, the fine establishment of the brazen head uh, I will be in there with uh, all guns blazing and uh, looking forward to it uh, you know it's, it's better than watching it in the house on my Jack Jones so I'll be there with some uh, some pals and uh, aye, looking forward to it 
I'll be watching it right here because we'll be covering the game. Um, let's have a wee look at some of the comments. I, I appreciate that we're about three quarters of the way through the show and I haven't tapped into the comment sections if you're watching on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else this has been streamed. Then welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. And Red Scotland comes in, regular contributor. I think we should be all over them like a rash from the beginning in order to deny them the chance to get into the game and to hopefully nick a goal and put the tie strongly in our favour. Absolutely, anything can happen, even with that early goal, but I think that um, it's not beyond us, as JP says, absolutely. But again, Urban Kulshi comes in. We got lucky in defence last week. A couple of times we certainly did. I think we need to go all out for the first goal, or it could be a long night. Uh, strange love, the doctor. Hi, fellas. I'm looking for another good performance. Possibly we can improve on our passing. As in the last game, it wasn't quite crisp enough. Treat the game like it's nothing each and try your best to win. Um, it's certainly not beyond us, but I, I pick up on one of the points that JP made there in relation to the defence. It is a makeshift defence, Declan. There's no doubt about it. But when you look at the, the performance throughout the season, Competitive games only. It was a shambles against West Ham, right? We know that. Um, yeah, I mean, we were bounced out to, to Mitchelland, but the circumstances were such that we went into that second leg uh, with Dane Murray and Stephen Welsh playing together. We took the lead. We ended up losing the game after extra time. But, I mean, it's thin margins when you look at the makeup of that defence on that particular night. We then go into the Hearts game. We lose it. It's Carl Starfield's debut. Again, we're just throwing a defence together. But then we, we start to bring in, you know, Joe Hart, for example. Then there's a wee bit more confidence. Ralston's performances have not dipped. People thought it might have just been, uh, you know, two or three games, uh, a flash in the pan. But, you know, half a dozen games in, he's still performing well. It definitely needs strength in Declan. But is it still a worry for you tonight in the defensive area? It's a worry if he suffered an injury. It would probably be my biggest worry and concern um, to see that the site uh, near Beaton trotting on would be really concerning for me. Um, but, you know, the, the back four has been solid enough. You know, as you say, the introduction of Joe Hart's can be doing a lot with the back four because our last line is a good enough goalkeeper that's constantly bowling and shouting at the players in front of him, um, which again, I think will have instilled a lot of a hope and faith in the back four that they probably lacked last season um, and obviously Stephen Welsh has got a run in the team who I think has been terrific as well he's he's continued his good performances after being thrown in at the deep end what we were talking about earlier on Paul that 2-0 game at Celtic Park was the game he got thrown in the deep end but he's consistently performed for us ever since then and you know as a young lad getting into that team has, has looked almost like the, the experienced pro at the back at times so um, as long as we don't suffer any major injuries, I, I would still be, you know, fairly confident that we could get could get through the tie with the back four that we've got. And obviously, I've still got the manager. Maybe Gunanovic might be in the bench tonight. I don't know if he can play after playing for Harry. for Warsaw, so can't no. play. So he's out. No. So really, if you're, you're suffering any blows, you're very, you know, bare bones at the bench here, defence. So that would be a concern for me. But as long as it, the back four is. Um, are fit for the whole game and no injuries or stuff I think it'd be okay It's a good point now because the other day there um, when Ange was speaking about the right back situation the fact that Juranovic is in uh, and available against Rangers he basically called Ralston his only right back <coughs> so you've got a couple of players there 
who might have just been rolling their eyes at that comment, and Leo Connor and Uruguide, who have, who have come in. Um, O'Connor obviously is playing more of his football for the Colts at the moment, but um, Uruguide is one of these guys who's come in from Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, from what we've seen in the friendly games, there was a wee bit for him to go before he was ready for the first team. But as you say, you get injured. If, if you get an injury to Tony Ralston, for example, JP, you're either shifting Stephen Welsh to right back and bringing in either Urugidi or Beaton for the centre half, or you're bringing on Urugidi at right back. And bear in mind, tonight, AZ Alkmaar, um, there's the return of Jesper Carlson, who's a, a, a flying left winger. He comes back in. He was missing from the first leg. One of their star men. So I share those the kind of concerns that Declan's got. You know, it's going to be hearts in the mouth if we we do get an injury tonight. Um, but we we are addressing that, JP. This is the thing. It's not as though we're banging our heads against a brick wall because Ange is addressing it. The club are addressing it. We are bringing in the players as well as uh, Jesper Carlson. As JP already said, Forrest is out tonight. He's not travelled. McCarthy's not travelled. Now, let's have a wee chat about James McCarthy. He's come in, and because some of the other players like Leo Labada, Kyogo, Joe Hart have done so well since they've come in, you know, we've not really focused on McCarthy. Um, but two cameo appearances, JP, 15 minutes, I think, he's played against Hearts and against St Mirren. Is it a concern for you that he's, he's not really featured that much? Um, I mean, I didn't expect him to walk into the team, don't get me wrong. But I expected them to at least be on the bench and fit and ready to play. I guess so. It might it might just be coming too soon for him. They might might not want to, you know, overload it and just he'll be because he's not played a lot of football, has he? Have I got that right or wrong? Never had I mean, a proper pre-season either. I mean, he was treating himself. So in terms of his fitness levels, it'll be still well behind everybody else in the team. Yeah, yeah. I just think. Um, I guess. I guess. He's maybe been left behind for for fitness reasons. I don't know, but um, I think I think you'll probably not see the benefits of McCarthy if he, you know if and when he gets fit until maybe you know a couple of months into the season or something like that because it's going to take a while for him to get up to speed. Um, I think you know if if Beaton is ever going to play for Celtic again, centre mid is is where I would want to see him play. Uh, I. I Genuinely, don't want to see him play at centre half. If 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 we're, if we're short of numbers in midfield, then of course near beat on international player. He's never played terribly in centre midfield that I can remember. But geez, uh, oh, like not centre half. There's too many mistakes, discipline and uh, positioning. Two things that are key as a centre half. That, that that the Morelos thing. Uh, made me sick to my teeth, and uh, the 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 point in the finger in the guy's head like that let, that let us down. I, I mean, that arguably could have cost us, you know, that tie. I I don't want to fling it all on him because obviously there was another game to go and another ninety minutes, well, hundred and twenty minutes. But um, you know, you, you can't have people like that, you know, as your last line of defence who are going to do moronic things like that. You know, it just it just. I don't know. I don't know how far we, we. If we if we had beaten Mitchelland, I'm led to believe we would be in the Europa League. In fact, I know we would. That's that's a fact. I, I had a bit of uh, back and forth with a pal about this, but no. If we'd have beaten Mitchelland, we'd have been right in the Europa League. So we wouldn't have had these games against uh, Jablonec and uh, and uh, Alkmaar to to contend with. 
you know. So we would have, we would have been straight in, and would have been none of this travelling about in midweek ahead of the Rangers game on Sunday or anything like that. So I don't know what we would have done had we beaten them and then got into the Champions League qualifiers. I, I think we probably would have got bounced out of PSV, um, mm-hmm. but ultimately we'd have had the safety net of Europa League football. So um, I, 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 I'm, I'm on that side of the fence when it comes to near Beaton and and the defence. I think when you look at that as well, we spoke about it earlier on in the show, Declan and I, about the fact that uh, there is an opportunity or a, a possibility rather that uh, we will face Michelin at some point in this season in the group stages should we get there. And, uh, you know, I think at that point it will become a bit of a frustration because I think there'll be a, a far more free, free-flowing Ange Postacoglu team at that stage, uh, JP, but... It's gone. Um, it is gone. It'll be, but closed, it'll be closed all over again. That's what yeah. it'll be. I know. Absolutely. Um, now, Michael Boy comes in to suggest if Griffiths wants to extend his career, he will need to go down south or Europe. I said earlier on this week, I don't even think, you know, when you're looking at down south and the levels that um, maybe previously he would have been looking at, I don't think there would be many clubs, even in the championship, would would take a punt on Griffiths, we've just been speaking there about the lack of football McCarthy's played maybe in the last three seasons or so, three, four seasons. You know, you look at Griffiths' record, anybody just looking at the, the baseline stats of games played in the last three, four seasons, and you, they re- really would be reluctant to take him on. You know, there's only so many times you can hark back to the 40 goal a season under Ronnie Dyla or the, or the two goals that he scored against England. So, yeah, we don't know what the future holds for Lee Griffiths. But let's have a wee talk about the lineup tonight because there is obviously a couple of um, options available to Ange Postecoglou. I think uh, we're going to stick to the, the goalie in the defence, Declan. There's no real um, question around that. Once we start moving into the midfield area, I guess, there's a question of whether or not Eduard starts. Do you start with Eduard? Because I know that Christie came in at the weekend there for for Roderick, and you're not going to drop Christie. Um, but what do we do up top? Are, are we even able to set it up so that Abada's going to start? Because Forrest certainly isn't fit to start. Christie on the left, Furuhashi and Edward. Can you play Furuhashi as a nine and Edward as a ten? Is there an option to do that? Do you think? I don't think the four three three there probably is that option. Um, I, I like the balance that the midfield ties with McGregor. It's a six, Turnbull's eight, and and Tom Rodgers is a ten. Um, and Edward can do a shift if he comes on off the bench. Um, I probably think that's one of the reasons he maybe started at the weekend. It was just to continue his fitness, but. You know, as I said earlier on, I think Kyogo at times is a wee bit wasted out in that left-hand side. I like him making those splitting runs into the box and trying to get on the end of balls that Christian Abada would be setting up for him. So I would stick with that as my, my team uh, going forward. as McGregor, Turnbull and Roderick in midfield and then Abada, uh, Christian Kyogo and then definitely Edward to be introduced into the game about 55-60 minutes. What's your thoughts on that, JP? Do you think uh, Eddie will be benched this evening? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I, I quite like the fact that I don't know what he's going to do either. And because mm. I mean, let's face it, that you you don't want a predictable team. You you know, I think he's the type of guy that you know quite comfortably would shuffle the pack because he's got so much to play with. Maybe not at the moment because he doesn't have Forest available um, for that sort of front three. But um, it's it's quite exciting to have to have those options, and you know you've got a fit and fire in Tom Rogic again. I mean, 
some of the things that I've seen him do in the last few weeks is just absolutely unbelievable. If that was somebody else doing that, you'd be watching it and drilling, you know, and it's just because it's Tom Rogic, you're like, oh, but, you know, Tom Rogic is, is a good football player. He's just not hit the heights that we expected from him in the last couple of years. And he's been sitting, getting a, a King's Ransom every week for not doing very much. But um, if he starts pulling, you know, pulling the strings now, then it's saving us the, the money and having to go out and spend a, 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 a sizable fee on somebody to replace him. Because let's face it, if you wanted somebody to do what Tom Rogic is doing right now, you need to pay quite a lot of money for him mm-hmm. to do that. Um, mm-hmm. So if he starts paying us back in that in that respect, then I'll maybe not be as uh, d- uh, disappointed at the fact that we've you know not seen much from him for for quite some time. The thing with, with Tommy Rogic, uh, you know, this time last year, we were talking about that at the beginning of the show, JP. This time last year, you know, Griffiths had missed the pre-season trip to France. One of the players who was left behind for fitness training because he wasn't up to speed was Tom Rogic. There was three or four players left behind at that time, and he was one of them. His season never really got started. A few cameo appearances, I think a goal against AC Milan, was it, uh, yeah. from distance. And, <coughs> you know, there was, a, there was an opportunity for for Tom Rodrick to leave the club. He was going to go to uh, Qatar, I think it was. And it was at that stage that, you know, it would have been thanks for the memories and, and farewell. And then you see him trim, because he's looking trim, he's looking fit, uh, and he's contributing. And as you say, he does things with that ball that, you know, maybe other than, than David Turnbull at times, no one else on that part can do. The, the close control is incredible. He's got that magnetic foot um, and you know again it's the Antipostocoglu effect in many ways you can't take away from the fact that Roger has got himself fit um, it's as fit as I can remember ever seeing him in a in a Celtic jersey so it's great to see absolutely tremendous to see we've got a few predictions coming in very quickly um, from Facebook uh, who reckons that we're going to go through virtue of a 2-2 tonight I'd be happy with that JP oh god I I mean, I mean just to get through I mean I, I just I just I can't see us having, I mean, famous last words, but I can't see us having one of those nightmare nights, you know? I mean, it's going to take a nightmare night to make it a nightmare. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, we're 2 0 let's not forget, we're 2 0 up. Probably should be three. Remember that uh, crazy three saves on the spin at the end? Mm-hmm. That, 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 I mean, whatever you want to say about. Uh, the, their their chances, They're, you know, we could have been we could have been three 0 up and completely home and hosed. Um, so I, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not fearful. The, the, the team the team a less experienced Celtic team went to Mitchell and you know took them to extra time. I'm not entirely sure that AZ Alkmaar are you know light years ahead of Mitchell and in terms of their quality. So you know, I, you know, I'm just gonna. Just going to enjoy the game, and and rather than be kind of fearful of it, I'm going to embrace it and enjoy the game for once. Because God knows, after last season, you know, we 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 deserve that, you know, because last season in Europe was was uh, horrendous. I mean, those Sparta Prague games will still haunt me. You know, I, we should never have been getting beat four one off a team like that, like in home and away as well, eight two on aggregate. I know, and in one of the games they were missing so many of their first teams. Oh. There were rookies playing in that that game. Uh, absolutely, Declan. Do you share our views? We'll get through tonight. A wee bit confident. It's great to be looking forward to uh, a Celtic game rather than watching it through um, like a horror movie from behind yes. the couch. 
yeah, there's a kind of there's a feel good factor around the club the now, Paul. And um, I'm looking forward to tonight. A scoring draw would do me one each two two, just as long as we don't we go through. I don't really care. Um, yeah, I wouldn't like us to go to penalties or anything like that. But um, as long as we go through, it's all I'm bothered about, and it's a, a tie. And again, it it keeps up the, the momentum that we've got going here. With I don't know how many was that six wins in the bounce so far. It would be, uh, and this would be kind of number seven undefeated, even if we can get a draw. So. You know, there's a momentum within the squad at this point in time, and a scoring draw tonight, I think, would would be uh, a fair result. But it'll be a different game over here, very different. I would imagine Alkmaar will be uh, play a bit differently than they did at Celtic Park. But I still think that Alkmaar defence is getting mistaken as does their goalkeeper. So, um, scoring draw, I'm going to go two each. Well, Declan and JP, you enjoy it in your uh, respective establishments. And everybody else who's tuned in on the social media channels and on YouTube, uh, enjoy the game. If you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. We're giving away monthly prizes. All you need to do is subscribe on YouTube. Um, Also, click on the notifications button and use the uh, option for all. So you'll be notified every time we come live. Now, Now and again, we just do impromptu live bulletins, you never know what's happening, we might just pop up on your notification screen, so thanks everybody for joining us and come back on tonight, because we'll be on half an hour before the game, on a Celtic State of Mind This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. 
Learn more at cbp.gov careers.